How's it guys? You're listening to SASurfski.com. We're all about surfski, we're all about paddling, and your host, Robin Tyndall, is coming in hot, straight out of Cape Town. Welcome back to SASurfski.com podcast. I have been looking forward to this next podcast for quite a while now. I've had this lined up for a couple of weeks and I've been waiting for Kenny Rice to come back from down under from Australia. I think he landed a short while ago and uh, we've managed to get him on the podcast. Kenny, welcome to SA Serbsky. Hey Robin, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, just got back two days ago, so I'm still pretty jet lagged. I've been up since a good 4.30 this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so for, you, for those of you guys who don't know Kenny, um, Kenny is definitely one of the up-and-coming hotshots. He's been winning uh, the under-23 category around the world for quite some time, and he's kind of graduated up into the open category and claimed a couple of serious titles. And he's definitely one of the guys that are kind of coming up behind the likes of Hank uh, and David Marker and so forth. And uh, he's, I think he represents the new wave of, of the younger Sevsky paddlers that are stepping up to take over the, the mantle of, of, of uh, some of the, the more established names. So if you haven't heard of Kenny, Kenny just yet, watch this space, because uh, uh, I foresee a world champion uh, very, very soon. Um, am I, am, so Kenny, maybe you want to run us through kind of the last three years of, of your paddling. What, what are, brag a bit. What are some of the titles that you've got? What, is, what are some of the things you've been more proud of? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, thanks for those, uh, those compliments. Um, I hope one day I am a, a, a world champ. Well, I, I guess, yeah, I, I already have... I have won an under-18 world title and under-23 world title last year at the 2017 World Champs. So, um, yeah, I basically, the titles I have won over the last years, over the last two years, actually, because before then I was more just um, making up the numbers and not really coming anywhere other than a top five. So, um, yeah, last year I had, a, I had a phenomenal year and that was kind of my breakthrough, breakthrough year, which um, all started at at um, the Gorge in Canadian Champs, where I actually I managed to win the Gorge, which was my first big international win. So I was, I was very, very chuffed with that. And also I managed to win it again this year. So my first international win, and I managed to back it up again this year and win it this year. So that was that's by far, um, yeah, I'm really chuffed with that. That's my best achievement so far. And then also one K-Point Challenge last year, and also little ones like the All-Wave Cup in 2016. And... Um, there's a new race in Sicily and Italy um, on a little island called the Naxos Cup. It was the first one they had this year. And I was privileged enough to have um, Think Kikes Italy take me down there. So, yeah, that's um, in terms of winning. It's a, a very, very short list, but I hope that list um, is extended over the coming years. Kenny, how old are you now? I turned 23 two months ago. So you, you, you say it's a short list, but you know, you've, you haven't been paddling at the highest level for very long. So it's actually a pretty impressive list if you consider, I think what you said is all of that was in one year, right? Yeah, so um, basically starting July last year, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so as I say, I think watch the space. Uh, you've claimed some pretty big sculpts as well. I know one of them is, uh, we'll talk a little bit more, more later about it later, but you know, some of the sculpts you've You've claimed in uh, what you're calling smaller aces are the likes of your, of your brother, you know, Sean Rice, uh, Jasper Marker, and so forth. Although I do want to actually just mention 
uh, I was very interested to, to see the results in the Sea Dog. I think it was, it was it last week. And for those of you who don't know what it is, the Sea Dog is a race every Friday night in Fishhawk, which is kind of the epicenter of surf ski paddling in Cape Town. And uh, it's a relatively short after work race, but world champs from all over the all over the place live in Fishhawk, and they all line up and race. And uh, I was interested to see a pretty much a photo finish between yourself and and uh, and the old dog, if I can call him that, because he's younger than me, um, David Mocker running up the beach. Uh, how how is it kind of <laughs> racing against a guy like David, who's probably not pulling in the miles you are, yet he's still right up there. Well, I think uh, yeah, Dov is a really special person to race. You know, he's never ever gonna give up, and um, he's gonna take it right to the line. So, yeah, it was <laughs> it was really Dov's paddling phenomenally well at the moment. So, um, it's not a, it's not a disappointment to be losing to him. Not that it ever is, but yeah, he was um, incredibly fit on the flat at the moment, and he is putting in hours. So, I'm particularly worried about racing him at Cape Point Challenge because um, that's what another another five succeed dogs longer <laughs> at that same intensity <laughs> so so let's let's jump in let's talk about cape point challenge um so yeah you're the you're the defending champion i think um i think some people were perhaps and maybe i'm being unfair to you here but i think some people were surprised with your dominance of uh, of the, the cape point challenge and again for those who are listening who don't know what the cape point challenge is uh, it is a 53-kilometer race from the uh, around Cape Point, essentially, and uh, covers all kinds of conditions: uh, upwind, downwind, crosswind, dodging waves, kelp. It is it is a phenomenal race, and I encourage anyone who hasn't done the race to step up and get it done. Um, and uh, it happens just before Christmas every year. But uh, to to come back to your your dominance, I mean, Kenny, it, it really it wasn't a photo finish. I think you, if I remember correctly, because I was paddling the race, I was many hours behind you. It was quite a dominant performance. Were, were you surprised by the result, or did you kind of think this was this was your year? Yeah, look, I, I can guarantee you that um, out of anyone's anyone being surprised, I was probably the most surprised. So, <laughs> um, no, I yeah, go, going into the race, I was, I was very confident in my abilities, and um, I kept on challenges where it all began for me. It's the race that that made me want to want to paddle, watching my brother do it when he was eighteen. Um, watching him finish his first on really inspired me to to want to do it one day. So last year going into it, um, just speaking to like Jasper and the likes, um, Cape Point is it's in our back garden. We paddle it every day, or not every day, but we're in full spay most days. And um, I yeah, I knew that I knew that uh, if we if we got if we got in got to the point close enough, I was pretty confident that I could catch up a fair distance, and also if need be, I could paddle away from someone so I think um yeah it's it's nice racing such long races on your home turf and being able to be so confident if you um just looking at like a Miller's run for example myself and Jasper and David have all three have the fastest times on the Miller's run so I don't think anyone other than us would be going the fastest at the end of a 50k race so that is a very comforting thing to know as well that you're going into the last 11 kilometers of a 54 kilometer mammoth going into those last 11 k's as the the dominant person if you could say that yeah i guess it's nice to have that that hometown advantage knowing that you know it's anyone else has really got to play a big game to uh, to kind of get past past the you know the, the three miller champions if you call it that i'm i'm, I'm keen i don't want to dig too much into the race because i want to get to know you a little bit more but 
Give us the give us the sixty second tour of, of that race. Break it down into into chunks. What was the dice like? Who was pulling? What happened at the points? When did you make your break? Who came with you? And who were the names that you were racing around there? I know Hank McGregor was in the mix. I know Jasper was in the mix. But give us that sixty second tour of 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 last year's Cape Point Challenge. Yeah, last year's Cape Point was a, a different one when we started. Normally, Hank takes off like a a bat out of hole, if you could say that. Um, he he didn't take off this year. And I managed to, I basically just asserted my dominance straight away and I went to the front and I pulled and I pulled a little bit more and then I pulled a little bit more and <laughs> some other guys came and pulled, but I just made sure I stayed on that first wave because I knew my only shot was to stay fresh and also to dictate where we were going and also the fact that I want to be, or I like going through the kelp. So if there were an opportunity to get away from someone, it would be in the kelp. Um, yeah, so the, because of the wind and all of that, it made the line extend really far down the chain of paddlers. So we were always in a long chain and like the likes of Ian Black, Brandon from the Vault, there was um, Little Lovemore, Hamish Lovemore, those sorts of guys were all pulling. So that was, um, they were doing their work. The other guys were sort of, I was a bit worried because Hank and Gus were at the back and they were, seemed to be very relaxed. So um, yeah, we cruised through the cult beds now. No activity, just literally just ticking over the miles, no stress, which really paid into my my court. I re that really helped because you, you're not, I mean, by the time you reached the point, it was as, as if we hadn't really raced, you know, you hadn't been put under pressure anywhere. But um, once we approached um, uh, Southwestern Reefs, Jasper came up and he had a pretty solid pool and the bunch sort of got split in those culprits just before platform. And um, yeah. Hank also made his move up to the front and so now he, he actually pulled us across from platform into Southwestern Reefs. And as we hit Southwestern Reefs, Yaps put in a bit of interval and um, we'd both done our homework there. It's, it is a really exciting place to paddle through Southwestern Reefs. It's actually, uh, I would say, my favorite place to paddle because you never really know what you're going to get. You need to know where you're going, are tired. It makes such a difference in all the, all the sort of um, reefs and all sorts in there. So yeah, Yaps made a go through there and we surged over a, over a boiler. Funny enough, actually one that I don't, <laughs> I followed Jasper over a few years ago, which nearly took me out. So it was, it was quite, quite interesting following him through there again. And we got through on the other side and to my surprise, we were alone. And I was busy chugging along in the next thing. I was like, oh, Jasper said to me, he's like, cool, check my radar, check yours. So we stopped. And then I felt this like doof on the back of my tail, I turned around and I was like, oh, flip, okay, Hank's still here. And I looked and I was like, oh, okay, I know it's Nicky. He had a stormer through the cup and he got on our tails. So, yeah, we, we, um, we sort of like, myself and Yaps checked each other's rudders and we looked at Nick's and he was like, nah, don't worry, okay, let's just go, let's go. So we, um, we made a bolt for the point and once we turned the point, we were kind of on the home straight to say and we, myself and Jasper, we both knew it in us that get to the point with a, a 50 meter lead on Hank is a, it's like a, a golden ticket. So we took that golden ticket and gave it a proper bash. And um, once we had actually just got going, I, the media boat kept driving in front of us. And, like, and it was getting really frustrating because it was creating wash. So um, I tried to change sides in the media boat. I switched from Jasper's left to his right because I wanted to go a little bit deeper around them. And um, they actually turned and didn't see me. And they turned right in front of me and nearly cut the nose of my boat off. They were so close. So that threw me up in the air and completely swamped me, which um, actually gave me the gave me that little bit of a, a adrenaline boost. So um, 
it also a bit of a calming thing because I was like, oh well, don't don't use up too much now. Just consolidate, catch up to Jasper, take it from there. So yeah, caught Jasper and just got into zone. And I yeah, I love paddling from Cape Point to Millers. It's it's a, such a special bay to paddle across. So made my move there, and I kind of didn't really think I was making a move, but I was just chasing as much as I could and doing as much as I could to try to stay ahead of Hank. And um, yeah, by the time I got to Miller's, I couldn't really see anyone. So I was getting a bit worried about that because I figured, okay, well, he's obviously come past me now. So <laughs> I wasn't really believing in the fact that I was ahead. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was surfing the runs and I knew, okay, cool, Miller's, if he is ahead of you and he's only 30 seconds ahead of you, good luck. Is the 30 seconds are coming back. So I gave it absolute stick from there. And when I got to the lighthouse, the media boat was there and I kept avoiding them, getting as far away from them as possible because I was like, yo, uh, I would like to keep my, my beautiful boat in one piece. <laughs> and they actually came up close and back left. And I shouted to them, I was like, who's leading? Am I in the front? And Rob was like, yeah, don't worry. We can't really see anyone. So I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's good. And yeah, it is a, a really special five kilometers from, from the lighthouse back to Fisher because it was, um, yeah, it was, it was nice to know that I was comfortably ahead, but also you can still lose it. But it was nice to, to surf those last five Ks on my home turf and in great conditions all the way to the beach. And then actually caught a, a bomb around the point into the bay. And it was really cool to see everyone standing on the beach. and to the club yeah I think you were an incredibly popular champion I think a lot of people were really chuffed for you that you came through because I think you know you you had the underdog title I think uh the you know the underdog label moving into that um although going into this year's Cape Point Challenge which is I think the entry deadline was last night I managed to sneak my entry in so we're just 10 days away from the next one and certainly going into this Cape Point Challenge you're not going to have that uh, that underdog label guys are going to be watching you how's it going to be different this year yeah it's, it's going to be very interesting um, i'm quite excited for it actually it's i have no idea how i'll fare this year because um last year we'd had a proper build-up into it and obviously i've just returned from australia and um I, we have no idea if hank's coming and he's also i mean he absolutely dominated the race for eight years like no one was anywhere close to him so um we don't know if he's coming and also the fact that David's in spectacular form and also the likes of Nick Notton and Stuart McLaren are also paddling really well. So I, th I think, to be honest, um, I shouldn't be the one to be watched. I think people like Stu, Nick and um, David are the, are the top guns leading into this. They've done the work and they're all paddling ridiculously well. So, um, yeah, I, I guess it's going to be a matter of who makes them move first and who can make it stick. So, Yes, entries were last, entries closed last night, and if you didn't get your your entry in, I'm afraid you're probably going to struggle to get hold of one of the the fantastic Cape Storm jackets that we have up on offer with your entry. Um, and yeah, excited to race it. So, in case you haven't figured it out, uh, Kenny's involved in the Cape Point Challenge's organisation team. So there was a, a little a little punty snuck in there. But uh, I think I, I'm, I'm fascinated. You've you've mentioned David, and obviously uh, you know we've, we've mentioned David a couple of times already, and he was on our last podcast. Um, but an interesting fact about David, and Kenny, correct me if I'm wrong, but David has won Cape Points, but he's never won a classic Cape Point. In other words, one that's actually gone round the points. There are odd occasions where, where the race doesn't go round the point because conditions are considered to be unsafe. So he's won it, but he's never won the traditional Cape Point. So he's actually got something to prove. So you're right. He could well be a, a very hungry guy 
uh, who wants uh, who wants that title. It's one of the titles that he's uh, that he's missing. So it's going to be a fascinating race to 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 watch unfold. Um, but moving on for that, talking about Cape Point Challenge, you got someone like me, mid chips, mid mid packer, fish and chips paddler. What? How do? What's the best way for me? To get around the point, so I'm asking the wrong person because you've never been a fish and chips paddler. But what? How would? What, how would you um, guide someone like myself to get the best Cape Point result that I can? Well, I think um, if we we let's not look at the training aspect. Um, your the training, I guess, should have been done by now. A week and a week and three days to go until race day. So, um, I think it's more just about being comfortable in your boats, making sure you're like little things, making sure your, your leg length's right, your bump pads in properly, because the last thing you want is a bump pad coming out of the start or kicking your foot blade out skew or um, your juice to get tangled up in front of your foot blade, which means that you're not going to get your juice out in time. So um, little things like that, start the race, be super relaxed, get rid of don't those pre-race nerves, they're good, they're very good, but for a race like Cape Point Challenge, you, um, you want to try to keep your heart rate as low as possible initially because you don't want to be burning up any um, any unnecessary goods, you know. Um, so, getting around safely and and having fun is um is is really it's a it's a challenge and it's it is Cape Point Challenge. So getting around it's um you can't just get around easily. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the in this next week, just look at staying hydrated, eating well. There's I guess yeah, have your beers and it's more than more than fine to have your beers, but don't have too many. Um, try consume your I always um, try to get my like. I would eat my red meats earlier in the week because I'm not a not a big red meat eater. But um, yeah, just staying well hydrated. Make sure that your juice is something that you've always been drinking. Don't change on race day or don't change in the week before. Um, I use some fantastic or a fantastic sodium and potassium replacement, um, which is really good because it stops your cramping. So look at something like that and try and not take too many goos along the way or energy bars because your body can only use up so much of that stuff. And if you start taking or consuming too much of it, I think um, your, bo- well, your body will not use it and it, your body uses energy trying to get rid of it or digesting it in your stomach. So don't take too much. So actual race, that, so what I'm hearing is nutrition is important. And so actually a quick question on nutrition. So when we're paddling, we're using our arms, duh, obviously. And to stop and eat something normally involves using our arms. You've got to put your arms down and you've got to open a goo or open a chocolate bar, whatever it is that you're going. When you guys are going hammer and tong at the front like that, are you just relying completely on your juice or are you pausing to stop and eat something? Yeah, so um, I, I wouldn't eat anything along the way, but you're so that would also be a, a good a good thing for you guys is um or for anyone in fact is you'll make sure when you get in your boats i always make sure i get my juice clip into my life jacket or i make sure it's accessible not tangled on something so that at 45 minutes because you want to start drinking before an hour into the race so that you don't um, dehydrate before you start hydrating because it's far too late so i always start sipping away at 45 minutes um just keeping your palate um like hydrated um, and also your goos i take a i take a few goos with and i sort of assess the situation along the way but with my goos i will um i'll duct tape them onto my boat somewhere on the rails on the left or the right um also make sure that because most of us would have a dominant hand that we hold the paddle with so um things like 
you're always, you're never going to let go of your paddle. I, I hardly let go of my paddle with my right hand. So I'm not going to put my goo where I can only access it with my right hand, if you know what I mean. So take a goo, peel it open, peel three of them open and stick them on so that they're pinched closed onto the deck of your boat, onto the rail somewhere so that you can access them very easily. And when you do stop, I try and make sure that if I'm going to stop, I'm going to commit to stop. So what I mean by that is I will make sure that I'm somewhere comfortable in the bunch. I'll get up to the front of the bunch. And when I stop, I'll make sure I stop for two or three strokes, but I'll unclip my juice. I'll have my full goo and then I'll run. I won't, um, I'll try try limit the things like stopping to unclip my juice and then keep paddling. And then, then I've got to stop to get my juice pipe in my mouth or um, I've stopped to undo my goo and then I stop again 20 seconds later to have my goo and then you end up chasing the bunch and causing unnecessary panic. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't consume any foods along the way, but just, just goo and juice. Um, so sometimes it's quite nice to take a, a one liter bladder of, of just fresh water because you're after three or four hours of drinking your juice, most people would be drinking your Cokes and water or Energade or Powerade, like those sort of things. It's nice to have a sip of fresh water. So on, oh, on and also, sorry, and also on top of that, I do. Um, <laughs> it sounds funny, but um, myself and Stu laughed about it the other day when we, we did a training paddle. Is I always take I take two bar ones in my life jacket, two man sized bar ones because um, I always want a man sized bar one when I finish, and also it keeps you motivated to keep going. So if it does go wrong, <laughs> you have one to consume along the way, and one is a present at the end of the race. I love that. I do the same thing. I feel I thought I was uh, I thought I was the only one. Uh, bar ones are my 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 go to reward uh, after something. But to, to come back, so so that, I mean, I've always been fascinated about how you guys manage it at the front end because there's just no no room to do anything. So that that's interesting. The other question I've got, though, and again from someone like myself, uh, this happened to me personally last year in 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 Cape Point Challenge. I went off and I was with a group that was a little bit too fast for me. So I had this question of. Do I hang on to this group and get dragged down to the point at a speed slightly faster or do I drop off and paddle completely alone and therefore my speed differential would be massive between the group and now I'm, a, I'm alone, and, but I'm conserving energy. So my question is, do you hang with that group for as long as you can and get dragged along and get ahead or do you back off and paddle your own race? I would say you hang on to that group because um, paddling 50Ks alone isn't very fun. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would my my vote would be to hang on to that group. Make sure you you get somewhere comfortable in that group, or relatively comfortable, if you know you know what I mean. So get up higher, further forward in the group, because if you're further forward, means more people have to come past you before you fall off. So that's little um, they're like little trailers that you can jump on to tow you back to the group if something does happen when you do stop for your juice or your goo. So um, yeah, I would say unless the group is unreasonably fast. Um, if they're only slightly faster than what you can do, hang on for as long as you can and try and get rid of those kilometers you're going to spend paddling alone because um, as much as it may seem taxing to be paddling on that bunch, it's also pretty taxing mentally to be doing it alone. Good advice. And uh, yeah, you can you get distracted by trying to stop the nose of your, your ski, knock into the, the tail of the boat in front of you and before you know it, you've, you've, you've covered 10Ks without realizing it. Kenny, let's, let's, let's wind back a little bit. I know, you know, you're, you're, you're a hang of a young guy, so you're still very much in the evolution of your, um, of your, your paddling career. 
But as you say, it all kind of kicked off for you in, in, in last year, you know, having a phenomenal year. So it almost looks like a little bit of an overnight success, which I, I, I sincerely know it wasn't an overnight success. I actually was in Durban when, uh, it's the first time I heard your name, when you won uh, SA Schools Champs in one of the Marine uh, Series races. And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I think the Norton Brothers were involved. I forget the, forget the details. But Take us through your, your background, where you've come from a, a teenager and your childhood and how it's, you know, what sports have driven you to where you are and what's been your evolution through paddling? I, I know two or three years ago, we almost lost you to paddling. I think you were ready to kind of pick up another sport. So where have you come from and how's it got you to where you are right now? Yeah, so um, we, I grew up in, in Lakeside in Cape Town, which is um, for what we affectionately know, the swamp. Um, right next door, so in one of those roads. So um, we were always in and around the water when we were younger. Um, and at junior school, we or I used to play a lot of rugby, cricket, hockey, and um, actually some tennis and swimming. So I was, I was very busy with, with um, extramurals at school. Um, n- nothing too serious. Um, we, obviously, I think at that age, we were... <laughs> We were obviously much bigger than most kids our, our size or our age because we were, we were pretty chubby chubby checkers when we were that young. So um, rugby and stuff came a bit easily. So we were really, really into our rugby and cricket. Um, but yeah, I started paddling when I was about nine years old down at the Flay. My brother, he, he, he started paddling. He one, one day walked past the club and yeah, his story started then. And um, I decided obviously at that stage it was do everything the big brother wants to do. So I wanted to paddle. And so I learned how to paddle. He took me down and I got in a guppy and I learned, learned how to paddle. Did it for probably about eight or nine months. And um, then I decided this is what my big brother's doing. I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> he became a coach and um, it is, uh, I, I checked out of there. So it was back to school sports, back to the rugby and stuff, which was consumed every single day. Um, but yeah, when I was about 15, I think, 14 or 15, Sean decided I was um, sitting at home on the couch too much and I must come down to the life-saving club and do some paddling or at least get it, get active. So I, um, not that I wasn't active, I was still playing a lot of rugby and cricket and all sorts, but we were still um, didn't have the best diet and um, yeah, still a bit, a bit chubby. So um, went down to the life-saving club and yeah, it, it all started there. Uh, yeah, so that that's that's about it. So in terms of development of the sport, um, but yeah, I, I I sort of um, got thrown into the Barry Learns um, kindly organised a series of Varsity College into schools series, which um, Nikki and David started running down in Cape Town as well, and we um, we started going to those, and they were organising a SA Schools event in Durban. And Varsity College is kindly putting up a bursary for um, for anyone who who won the race. So that immediately became quite a quite a prestigious race, and it was the race we all wanted to do. It was the equivalent of our Sea Dog series, the Marine series. So um, every every March or April, I think it was, we would we'd, we'd all dice it out here in Cape Town and try and make the interschools team. And Varsity College would um, sponsor us some flights and would go up and do it. And I went up to actually I went up to the first four or five of them. So four, yeah, first four of them, and I, I got like a tenth. And the next I went back and got a third place. And um, the third time I went back, I was in an end sprint. There was four of us in an end sprint, and I was the third boat. And um, Dom and Craig got so consumed in themselves racing that they raced to the wrong flags. 
and I suddenly realized what was happening. So I bolted for the, the finish and I managed to win. Um, I was at that stage, I was just behind them. And then the next year I went back um, and I managed to win the title again. And I, that got me a, a bursary to Vasa College, which was really awesome because, um, yeah, the tertiary education is so, so expensive and it was a, a real blessing to be able to receive an education from a place like Boston College. So yeah, that, um, that, that kickstarted my, my paddling. I, I took a, a gap year and um, in that gap year, I got offered a sponsorship through Think Kayaks, um, the same, same manufacturer who sponsors my brother. And that's been the, that was the start of something really good. Um, Think is like family for me now. They, they really do look after us. And I, I wholeheartedly believe we're in the best boats. So that also helps when you're going to a race and you know that you have the best equipment available and you're happy and you're there with your family as such. And I get to travel the world with my brother. So, um, yeah, I, I did that for a few years. So that was, um, started that in 2014 when I was 18 or 19 and I did two or three years and yeah, actually at the beginning of last year, so end of 2016, I was like, shucks, this isn't um, really going that well. Especially when you, <laughs> I look at my brother and I'm like, well, it's absolutely dominating, but then you, um, you obviously want to achieve the same as what he's achieving, but comparable, that's quite unrealistic considering he's six years older than me. And he's, um, yeah, he is a freak in himself, a, 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 a real um, a talent. So I wasn't really winning races. I was coming fifth and sixth. And um, in terms of my motivation, it was still fantastic results. And I was super chuffed to be there representing at some stage in South Africa and also representing the people who supported me. So it was getting frustrating that I, I felt like I wasn't giving back. So I decided to the year, I was like, okay, I don't think I can really do this. Um, I think I might have to call it a day. I, um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really consult anyone about it. I spoke to my brother, we chatted and um, I didn't tell him I wasn't going to paddle. I just said, listen, I'm, um, I'm going to take the first half of the year off. I'm just going to float along and enjoy paddling for what it is and go and do Miller's runs and um, train when I want to train and not do the mass load that I had become so frustrated with, um, which funny enough, I ended up training even more because I was enjoying it so much. So in those, those four months, I decided, nah, I'm not going to do any, any races. I'm just going to enjoy it. And funnily enough, I actually started um, building some decks with uh, Kruger. He has a decking company. So he said, oh, come jump in and can keep you busy during the day and pay some money. So with a good mate's mind, so we went and that's what we did for a few months. And he's still doing that. So, yeah, I, I got quite consumed in that and quite enjoyed not racing, the pressures of racing, because traditionally every year we – obviously I'd always be a bit overweight so every start of the year it's frustrating going to the year because you have a good festive season and then you over you chubby and then you got to lose the weight and then you got to get fit and then by the time the race comes the stress of getting ready for the race and then not actually believing that you're ready and so I decided I'm just going to eliminate all of that and um, see what happens so by the time April came around Sean said oh come to your challenge he had come back to Cape Town and he was like, she's paddling so well. Um, I've been doing some training with Jasper and I've done some awesome Miller's runs and I beat him at a sea dog and he was like, flip, yeah, you're making a silly mistake. You've got to come and do your challenge. Like, what are you doing? So I was like, no, no, I'm not interested. So then I didn't end up doing Euro challenge and I gave it a few, few more months. And um, I, yeah, I went to Vancouver for the Canadian Surski Champs, which is um, 
on home ground for Think Kayaks. And I had a, I did a, a bit of um, coaching there, some, had some fun, um, did a bit of touring around Vancouver and I had a fantastic Canadian champs. I think um, came third and that was kind of like, Oh, okay. Well, whatever, whatever I did there was, didn't seem to be going too badly. <laughs> um, and then the next week we went down to Hood River and I was paddling and doing downwinds every day and having fun, having, having an absolute blast with my mates. Um, and then come race day, I suddenly I was going along the race and I was in fourth or fifth and I was like, oh, okay, I'm not actually going that hard. Let's, let's see what happens. And I crossed the river as we crossed over my one section and I had this good section and the next thing I looked and I was like, oh no, I'm in front. And I started to panic a bit. I was like, this, this isn't right. It's like, where's Sean? Again, I, no, okay, there he is. He's coming now. Don't worry. Just keep paddling. He'll pass you and then it's all fine. <laughs> so... Um, I, I carried on paddling and I, I caught a few more runs and a few more kilometers went by and I turned around and I was like, okay, Sean isn't catching. He's actually a little bit further behind. He's like, this isn't good. <laughs> What's happening to Sean? Well, then I realized, okay, this dog and the ups again. They'll catch me and they'll take it off. Yeah. And then, yeah, next thing I knew I was at the finish line and I had won the first international race. So, And probably the biggest international field of that year. So it was really exciting and um, it, I didn't believe it for <laughs> a couple of weeks after that. So, yeah. It, that is the start of um, believing that I could do it and, yeah, being really enjoying sport. Kenny, you've, you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, you've, used the word, you've used the word chubby a couple of times, and one of the fascinations that, that I have is if I, I look at surf ski paddlers, uh, in particular surf ski paddlers, and I try and kind of look at the top guys and go, you know, what body shape gives us a fantastic surf ski paddler? And I, I don't have an answer. We've, we've got Matt Bowman, who is, you know, as tall as lanky as they come. And the other end of the spectrum, we've got, uh, <laughs> we've got Jasper sitting at you know, five foot and some change. And we've got your body type as a bigger, stronger guy. We've got, we've got uh, Hank, who maybe is maybe the most typical that he's, you know, average height, average build, and obviously just really fine-tuned himself to what he's got. What, what's going on with surf ski paddling? And why are so many different types of paddlers doing so well? I yeah, it's it's a real tricky one. I think um, it's really really incredible like that. If you, I I do believe the the main thing is just power to weight. If you can fool what you have, then you can make it work. But yeah, I I would chubby for me is yeah I have been chubby and you look at Matt Bowman and them and actually funny enough I was when I was one of the first actually my first year at Boston College I I went into the sports um, room. And the sports coordinators there and she looked at me and then she she was talking to her and then eventually I left and my mate Dom Notton was there and then Dom comes out and he was laughing. He says, I said, What's wrong? He's like, No, he's like, She just asked me who you were and I said, No, you're king. She said, Oh my word, that guy does not look like an athlete at all. <laughs> so that was um, funny. But yeah, I I I think Sersky paddling is if you if you can pull what you have in the water, you if you're strong enough to do that, you're pretty fine. Um, we also uh, we all come from different walks of life and different places, so you can't. It's going to be a difficult sport to choose what the, the right profile would be to make perfect whiskey pattern. But I can guarantee you that we're all just as driven as the rest, and um, that's probably the motivation to to do well. So, um, the, the, a follow-on question from that as well is types of boats. 
So, you know, you're, you've mentioned Think a couple of times and they're obviously looking after yourself and Sean really well and it's a beautiful boat. Uh, we don't have too much access to them here in South Africa, um, which is, by the way, something you need to talk to them about changing. I, mean, I think it'd be great to have the Think brand kind of built and available here uh, outside of uh, an under-licensed scenario. But uh, moving on from that, we've got, you know, we had in the, we've got uh, Matt Bowman and, and for a long time Jasper Marcus sitting in exactly the same type of surf ski. I know it's been changed, uh, changed recently. Um, somebody's in the wrong boat. If you've got six foot seven, uh, Matt Bowman, and you've got five foot, I don't know, eight, nine of, of Jasper for a long time, both sitting in a, in a V14. Do you think one of them was making a mistake or is the boat size not that big a factor to your body shape? Um, I, I don't think what you can make anything work, um, as Jasper has proven. I mean, that year that he was in the V14, he actually won the Gorge Down in Champs too. So, um, yeah, I, I think if you, within reason, your boat will make a difference um, and also takes a long time to get used to a boat. But once you get something to work for you and you put in hours to, to get used to it and work out what makes it work and what makes you work in it, you can, you can actually make anything go so I, I i personally i i love um the design and profile of my boats and I, I do don't i do think that i could never go down into a smaller boat because it's just it wouldn't suit my style of paddling in terms of how you surf runs or flat water or how i ride slip for example so um yeah i think yep's just he i think he he made it work and it is a big boat, but you can't really go too much smaller because it's not going to be really seaworthy. As you can see in some of the, the shorter, smaller volume boats, they just don't perform in the downwind conditions. So there's a very fine line with what works and what doesn't work with nature, besides from actually people paddling them. So what are you, what are you uh, looking for in a surf ski? I mean, what, what is it, if you, is there two or three kind of factors that you, can, that you see in, in, in your boat that you would look for if you if theoretically had to change a brand? Is there a couple of checkbox items that you're looking for that's gonna make a surf ski work for Kenny Rice? Yeah, I think um, for myself, I, I really enjoy a, a firm foot plate um, and, and a, a seat that's really comfortable. I don't, I don't like getting into boats and you don't have space to move or um, you get a little bit of numb bum. That's, um, that's, I don't enjoy getting into boats that are uncomfortable like that. So yeah, I will be look. I would look at something like the seat design and the foot plates, how, um, how you can um, move the foot plates in increments that makes a massive game change. Sometimes it's the one centimeter movements are just too much for me. For example, I just, those sorts of leg lengths, they don't work. I'm like halfway between one. So I can't be at my most comfortable anyways in a boat that would have those. So, um, yeah, I comfort in the seat makes one big difference and, um, sitting above your feet, the same feeling of a K one, because after all, most of us have a, a background in kayaking and you really want to get on top of your stroke. So sitting higher than your feet makes a difference. So I think, um, the real thing I'd just be looking in in a boat is just purely comfort. Okay, so yeah, so if you're comfortable, you're able to make a boat go fast. It's interesting that you didn't really talk about rockers and, and uh, you know, rudder positions and things a lot of people spend a lot of time about. You're, you're, you're focusing, which makes a lot of sense to me, you're focusing on the paddler's connection with the boat as being the most important factor. Yeah, look, I mean, you can, you can, you can paddle a banana and it's the best downwind boat, but if you're not comfortable in that seat, you're not going to make the boat go 
go forward, you know, not as, you're not going to make it go forward as well as what you can if you were comfortable. So comfort, comfort is king. So you mentioned downwind. Let's talk about Miller's Run. You mentioned earlier where we we're talking about Cape Point Challenge that yourself, David and, and, and Jasper are kind of the dominant factors on, on Miller's. I mean, I think one of the reasons is, number one, you guys are incredibly talented. Number two, it's your back garden and there's not many people besides maybe Rob Mosley who, uh, who have done as many Miller's as you guys. And uh, for, for anyway, for the guys that are listening, if you, if you more than likely know what a Miller's Run is. A Miller's Run is a run from Miller's Rock, uh, which is down towards Cape Point in the False Bay of uh, Cape Town, South Africa. And it's about a 12-kilometer paddle back onto Fishhook and, uh, in the summer months and the winter months. But in the summer months, it, it runs on the southeast almost five days a week. It's a phenomenal downwind paddle. It's a bit of a, a mecca for uh, paddlers to come and check out. And um, everyone's kind of got their time for Millers and everyone's trying to beat their time. And it's quite a big talking point. Uh, I think uh, Jasper holds the record. I think, Kenny, you're second by a couple of seconds behind the record. What makes a fast Millers run? How do I go faster on a Millers run? Yeah, that's, that's a, a tricky one. And um, the Millers run, is, it's really special because uh, it's one of those, those downwinds that you, you really need to um, do quite a few times to, to work out your, your line. and what what works at certain conditions so to go faster on a miller's run i think is um a lot of people try they try head out to sea or surf surf outside the lighthouse and thing like that but i'm i'm a firm believer in um straight stripe so i want to get from point a to point b in the most direct line as possible because um obviously we all the shortest route you can do us um you'll be lying about your time. <laughs> but the, the shortest you'll do is 11.69, I think, if I'm correct. But yeah, anywhere, anywhere between 11.7 and 11.7, or 9 is um, what we would be aiming to do. And on that line would be um, skirting on the inside the lighthouse by about two or 250 meters. So I, I head pretty, pretty inshore from the lighthouse just to follow those runs in because that's the most direct line to Fishhook. And then... Um, I think the most important thing in from the lighthouse to Fishhook is um, a lot of people try and come in from the deep so that they can actually catch the runs like nose in the trough. But there's um, there's a lot of merit in going across the face of the run because you can go much faster that way than what you or surfing across the run than what you can going straight down the run. So your the time where you um, where you'd be making up the most time on a Miller's run would be from the lighthouse to Fishhook. If you can if you can get to the lighthouse in say about 21 minutes, 20 to 21 minutes. And then back from there in about 17 or 18, you're going to be going under 40. So um, yeah, it's all in those last five Ks, I believe. I've seen a video of a shot side on of Jasper uh, on uh, Miller's and he was just spinning like mad. His cadence was crazy and he was climbing up and over a lot of runs. Um, which is different to if you listen to Oscar talk about uh, going downwind and, uh, you know, waiting, there's always a run behind you, don't paddle uphill, et cetera, et cetera. What, what's your approach to doing a, to doing a Miller's? Because if you're going that fast, it seems sometimes you can't wait for that run behind you and you've got to attack and get over the one in front of you. What's, what's your approach? And, and what would your advice be to us mere mortals who maybe don't have the strength and power to, to climb up and over? I, I do, yeah, there's, there's a lot of merit in um and what Oscar says in terms of waiting, there's a run behind you. But if you want to get there as fast as possible, you're not going to get there fast by waiting for runs. So neither are you going to win races by waiting for runs. So um, you go fast by catching every run that comes past you. And um, that's what we would all be applying when we're doing a Miller's run. 
and you miss as few runs as possible. And um, the ones that you do get on where they do become bombs, you want to take advantage of. So my approach on a militia run would be look for those little gaps. There's um, because most of most of the time, like our the the wind would be the generator of the swell and would have a bit of a ground swell running over your right shoulder. So um, the wind swell gives you lots of little gaps which you can you can sort of cut through. So we'd be surfing the wind swell and every once in a while cutting down onto those ground swells. So your boat speed and stuff, you there's no re- there's no reason why you should miss wind swell because it's all moving relatively slowly. Well, not no reason, but um, for myself, I would make sure that I'm. Yeah, so in 2016, myself and Jasper actually found ourselves lying on Fishwick Beach a couple of times um, after some millers runs with our, our lungs in our throats um, because you just uh, you go so hard on the millers run just trying to catch everything you possibly can by catching the wind swell, surfing through any gap you can and paddling up and over the runs. And um, we also have a, quite a common issue with myself and Jasper is that our, our millers runs, sometimes everyone sees them as being easy sessions, but actually the harder session because you just want to go faster. Every time we're going downwind, it's just about chasing the next run just to go faster because you want to see those splits come up faster and faster. So, um, yeah, Miller's run really is heart rate, cadence, and looking for any opportunity you can to get through a gap, mainly to your left side because you want to um, use the ground swell to get around the, the smaller wind swell. But, yeah, high cadence, high heart rate, That's the. there's no... There's no beating around the bush that that's the, that's the technique for going fast on a millage run. Interesting that you talk about dropping in left. Um, not something I've uh, considered. I know my, my local is on the west coast. There's a run between Lagoon Beach and, uh, and Big Bay. And uh, there it's drop in right. And again, it's, I guess it's the way the ground swell is going. So there's, there's, there's a really good tip. So basically work freaking hard. And go left is what I'm is what I'm hearing when the groundswell comes through. <laughs> let's let, let's move on from that. Uh, let's talk river and marathon paddling. We don't see you often on rivers, and I may stand corrected there. I've seen you on Breda. I know you've won the Breda Canoe Marathon a couple of times uh, with with Stu McLaren. Um, where does river factor into Kenny Rice's paddling now and in the future? Um, that, yeah, that, that's that is a, a tricky question. Um, myself and my brother have this nasty habit that rocks just seem to like they seem to attack us in the river and um they i don't know they're just any boat we take down the river the rocks seem to beat up quite badly so I'm, I'm not a very good river paddler um you would most likely if you searched hard enough you'd find uh, a photo of me swimming across the line at fish a year or two ago with a boat wrapped in half <laughs> but yeah I, I love my river paddling sometimes it's a good a good excuse to to get out to the fish river or the breeder and they're always beautiful weekends away and you get to hang out with mates and have some beers. So I don't take it too seriously. Um, breeders are, it's purely for fun and you get the mileage in. I mean, every weekend you can go out there and you can do a 30 to 35 K race, sometimes even 40, 45 Ks. So yeah, you, it's just good mileage and whether I'm good at it or not, I can still know that I can go out there and I can race and you're always going to be humbled by some 60 kilogram river paddler who's going to, put down the hurt and drop you but it's going to be a good day in the office so yeah I don't take it too seriously but I, I really really enjoy the training you get out of river paddling marathon paddling last year was it this year sorry I think I'm already in 2019 this year you seem to do a lot of work on the uh, on, on, on in the marathon side and uh, I know you and Stu put together a really good campaign so uh, same question where where does where's marathon paddle paddling fit in around surf ski and you, you've had some good results on it um, and, and, and the future for marathon paddling for yourself? 
Yeah, so funnily enough, I actually um, I went to my first World Champs for marathons actually instead of Sersky, um, and also made made the SA team before my brother for marathons, which is quite funny because um, yeah, you'd assumed he would have. But um, yeah, marathon paddling it is in Cape Town. We have such a good squad, and we're on we're ninety percent of our sessions are done on the flay on flat water in a kayak. So it's just it's the easiest thing to train in. And also you get such good quality out of it. You can race anywhere um, and the guys who are doing it are all the best guys. So you need to be as fit as possible. And that really, um, really helps the surf ski paddling. But yeah, this year, myself and Stu had a fantastic build up to um, SA Champs. And we're, we're very chuffed to to make the team to go to Portugal this year. And we gave it a, a hell of a shot for the first five laps. But um, unfortunately, the race is eight laps. So <laughs> yeah, marathon paddling is just such a good a good form of training. and the the running training and the high intensity and also the fact that you you're racing against the sneakiest and best bunch riders in the world so that it really teaches you to be on your toes and be sharp which is probably pretty good for your your downward paddling i mean you learn how to ride slip it teaches you to pick up bumps in the ocean so yeah you're looking for gaps everywhere you've got to be observant the whole time so yeah it is it adds a whole nother dimension to surf paddling would you recommend it for the average paddler to get involved in some marathon-style training to improve their paddling in general? Yeah, 100%. I would I'd strongly suggest you get into K1 once or twice a week and give it a bash because, I mean, if you look at the likes of Hank, I mean, he's got a different paddle shape each week. He's got a different tries this boat, that boat. Uh, you, you, it's so important to be dynamic and to be able to jump into anything and use anything. So, And besides from it being important, it's really fun. I mean, I, I love trying out new things and new boats and it's the training is different and getting in and out of your boat for portages. It, it adds a whole nother fun aspect to, to our paddling. And you can also, it accesses, makes you accessible to so many more races around the country. What's, uh, what's in store for, uh, for Kenny Rice for 2019? So far, I think um, I, I actually just finished studying this year. So um, I will be paddling, taking a paddling a bit seriously next year. And I think um my main goal next year will be surf ski world champs. I really, I really want to give it a go. I had a, a really good surf ski world champs last year. I ended up fourth in the seniors and um, I actually yeah, had a phenomenal downwind leg and I, I really, I really want that title. So my, all my efforts will be geared at, at September 9th to 16th in, um, in France towards that. But I will most likely be giving everything else I can a go within reason. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be slightly selfish here and, and, and uh, ask you a question about uh, my race. So, uh, and it's like pun for my race, guys. Freedom, Freedom Pedal, it's a race around Robben Island uh, focused on doubles. It's at the end of April in Cape Town, April 27th. Uh, we've uh, putting on a really good show. Um, we've got uh, some significant prize money, uh, 100,000 prize money for, for men and women for, for the winning categories there. Uh, so we, you know, anyone who's not in South Africa, uh, the Aussies, if you're listening to this, the Europeans, the Americans, guys, I want to invite you to come out and race this. And uh, it's a doubles race. That's where the money is. So you're going to have to team up with a partner. And Kenny, that's my question for you. The Freedom Paddle is going to have a whole doubles series leading up to the actual race itself. Are we going to see you on that start line? And have you got a partner? Who's, who's on the shortlist? Well, yeah, firstly, I, yeah, I think um, Bamboo Warehouse has been really great with getting involved with your race, and um, I'm quite excited to do it next year. It's, um, it's a week before Euro Challenge, which is, which is perfect. It doesn't cash for that anymore, so I'll, I'll definitely be at Freedom Challenge this year, and um, 
very excited to to race around Robin Island. But on that topic, um, I will. My partner will be a, most likely be announced at a later date. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give a slip on that yet. Um, yeah, I. I let's Damn, leave, let's I was, leave that till the day. I was, I was, let's I was, let's I was, leave that for the day for the race. I was hoping to catch you in a weak moment there and a, and a commitment to something. Yeah, we actually, for anyone's listening, we're actually not allowing anybody for the Freedom Paddle to team up just yet. You'll notice that you're able to enter, but you can't enter as a team, and that's on purpose. So uh, we'll be opening the, uh, the ability to create your combinations uh, early next year. So, uh, yeah, um, so any, anyone who's confused, uh, it's been done on purpose so that, uh, you know, we can, uh, we can let those combinations sit, uh, be kept secret for a little bit longer and create some, some excitement. But the international guys, if I can just use my own platform here for a moment, international, i.e. not South Africans, please come and race. And, of course, I expect all South African paddlers to be there, guys. Uh, fantastic race, freedompaddle.co.za. Um, Speaking of international paddlers, Kenny, it's expensive to travel around the world. It's expensive to race. I pitched this question to David. I want to, I want to know from yourself, how do you finance getting to these races? What role do your sponsors play? Who's looking after you? And please give them a shout out here. I think you know, sponsors that are looking after paddlers deserve all the coverage they can get. Thank you for mentioning the Bambi Warehouse. Uh, they have been fantastic with the, with, the, with the Freedom Paddle. But what role are the sponsors playing? And how do you manage getting around the world, getting to these races and paying in rands to to travel to these exotic locations so um yeah i'm very like i said before i'm very fortunate to um, be sponsored by think kayaks and um they they're very very generous with myself and any of their athletes so um they sort me out with boats and with a support structure wherever i go um they obviously they um help me out with the budget for the year so they would help me out with my flights and um, yeah, a lot of the time, like I said, family, we think hikes, wherever I go, there's someone whom I can stay with. Um, the guys are very, very incredibly generous with letting you stay in their houses. And um, yeah, it's unreal, the generosity of the sport. Um, then we have the likes of Eurosteel who, um, who supports me in Cape Town and they have incredible support structure as well in that, in terms of um, helping me just live my months, months, month to month funding. So um, yeah. Them and then there's obviously the likes of Orca Training who um, give us a support structure in South Africa. So, yeah, I, without Orca, Eurosteel, and Think, I w- it wouldn't be possible to go overseas and earn the bucks that you can sometimes earn if you are to win a race. And largely those bucks are used to sustain yourself whilst you are overseas. And then also the fact that with brands like Think, Eurosteel, and Orca, I can advertise myself to, to individuals overseas and do some coaching. And that really helps them live overseas especially when you you can spend that currency instead of spending rands so yeah those are my my three my three biggest sponsors and then obviously i have the likes of precision hydration and vicobi whom helped me out with some kit and um support just in any way yeah, big shout out to those guys for, for, for letting our, our pro athletes in what is a Cinderella sport that you invest in and let these guys' talents shine through. So uh, thanks so much to, to, to those guys that are, are stepping forward and putting their hard-earned cash down so that our paddlers can get out there and, and actually set the world on fire. Um, yeah, I, so I'd, on, on top of that, Robin, I think um, there's, besides from my own sponsors, there's obviously the, the likes of your... Um, Sean Partners, big companies like Eurostill, Sean Partners, China Silver Asset Management, Bamboo Warehouse, like these companies are doing such fantastic things for our sports. Um, 
if just for this year, for example, the amount of cash they've been putting on at these races has just been unreal. And um, these companies have been so generous with actually even helping guys get to races and supporting every race. I mean, I, I can't think of a race in South Africa where you still doesn't, doesn't help out in some way or a photographer or pay for a safety boat or something, you know, and it's, that's, Besides from personal sponsors, I think um, these corporates really do make make the difference in making it worthwhile for us to go and travel and give us an opportunity to to make a living or sustain ourselves whilst we pursue our dreams and support us whilst we pursue our dreams. A hundred percent. And to everyone listening, guys, if you if you're in the market for any one of the products that these uh, the, these companies that are stepping up, if you're in the market for anything that they need, please support the guys that are supporting the sport we love so much. So you know, look look. Look out for them. Seek out the guys that are helping us, and let's let's help them back by uh, you know purchasing from them and recommending to those guys uh, around us. So yeah, Kenny, hundred percent agree, and really appreciate to 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 the to the, the companies and the individuals that are that are that are stepping up. I want to speaking of events and and prize money and all these types of things. You know, you've you've we've mentioned already you're involved in the the Cape Point Challenge, the planning and the committee that puts that together. I know for a while you were the surf ski rep as well for the Western Cape Canoe Union. So you certainly uh, at a very young age put a put your put to to give back to the sport already from an organizational point of view with that hat on i want to kind of put you on the spot a little bit and ask you what does surf ski paddling let's focus on surf ski paddling what does surf ski paddling from a competitive event and administration point of view need more of in the future and i'll double-sided question here what do we need less of what do you wish that we could kind of do better um to be honest, I think um, what we what we really need is youth. We we need a lot of um, we need young people. I, I I can see it in the canoeing scene and stuff. It's just there's not a lot of change happening, and um, that's what that's what youngsters are about. You know, like that's that's the reason why I put up my hand to do these things. Um, for the first few years, I did it quite willingly and quite reluctantly towards the end because those, the the change wasn't happening and um, myself alone I can't stand up against a committee of guys who have done it for 30 or 40 years and will continue doing it so so I think um, it's really cool to have people like Stuart McLaren sitting on on WCCU as the chairman so I think um, if we can get involved as the younger guys and um, push our agendas and also come together with an agenda that actually works because a lot of the time there's these smaller sports that get a bit hit by um, people's personal agendas and people running away with those personal agendas. So we need less personal agendas and more youth in, this, in our sport to, um, to promote that change. Apologies for my phone ringing in the middle of that recording. I thought I'd turn it off. But yeah, Kenny, absolutely. Um, yeah, for, for sure. Bold statements there. But I also think, you know, bold movements are, are, are needed to create change. And I 100% agree with the youth coming on board. And just... Uh, uh, just a opportunistic shout out. I think uh, I think I've got the names right. And Brandon McLeod and Alan Houston, they're putting together. These are two young paddlers uh, that are that are up and coming, and they're putting together. I think something called the push and pull paddle on the Berg River. So, and there's details to come. But that's a, that's an example of guys um, yourself with the Cape Point and these guys stepping up and putting on brand new events and not not leaving it to the old hands to to do it and making something new and and, and different. So, I, I personally finding. Uh, Surfski paddling in South Africa, in fact, paddling in general in South Africa, to be quite, uh, seems to be embarking on quite an exciting phase with new races kind of popping up and new blood appearing on the, uh, on the various committees. Um, so, yeah, very, very, very exciting. And uh, also with the sponsors getting involved and some of the prize money being put up, we definitely seem to be moving into a more professional 
setting and uh, opening up to, to change and welcoming a new way of doing things, which is, which is fantastic. But we're standing on the shoulders of those that went before who laid this, who laid this foundation for us. So a big thank you to the guys who've, who've uh, done the hard work in the past that have been on these committees for so long. Yes, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with, so yeah, I completely, I completely agree with that. These guys have done some groundbreaking things and I don't, I don't mean um, personal agendas in a bad way. I just mean it's um, yeah, there, there's some awesome changes and likes of Alan Houston and Brandon McLeod and then also, like Craig Flanagan running Sea Dog Series, that's super exciting. And those those kinds of guys, are, it's so cool to see them running events. But they're also the kind of guys you want to see on these um, WCCU and all the marathon and surf ski boards. Because I mean, if they can come up with these exciting events and make them work, I'm pretty sure they could do so much more on these unions and and get more people into the sport. Well, there's a challenge laid down to a couple of names there, guys. So maybe uh, yeah, let's uh, invite you to step up. Brilliant. Kenny, it's been fantastic hosting you. Thank you so much. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed the, the conversation this morning. I hope uh, the, the guys that are listening out there, uh, if you're in your car, you're driving home, uh, yeah, hopefully we've managed to keep you company and uh, while away those, uh, those miles for you a little bit. And uh, yeah, look out for the next podcast. Uh, we've got the likes of uh, Matt Bowman uh, and Stott, uh, some of these characters we've got lined up in the wings for you. So uh, definitely a lot, uh, a lot more coverage. We're going to try and keep these things going. I'll do my best to keep them regular. Uh, sometimes life does get in the way and there's a bit of a bigger gap and then we have a flurry of activity. Uh, but thanks so much for tuning in to, to SA Servski and our podcast. And um, if you uh, jump on our saservski.com uh, Facebook page, if you've got any questions, comments, uh, anyone you'd like me to kind of have a chat to in the future, questions you like covered, um, I'm really doing this for, the, for, the, for, for you guys and my passion for paddling. So I'm keen to hear what you guys have to think about the direction that we're going and uh, give me some guidance as to, as to where you'd like to go and suggest who you'd like me to tackle. And uh, I'd love to chat to some of the um, overseas athletes and some of the overseas manufacturers as, as, as well. But Kenny, back to you. Thank you so much for giving your time uh, uh, today and uh, best of luck. I'll be lining up uh, not what with you on the start line. I'll be a couple of batches ahead because it's a reverse start, but uh, I'll see you on the beach at Cape Point Challenge and best of luck. And uh, if I was a betting man, I think my money's on you to uh, to put David, who I think is the next favorite uh, for, for Cape Point Challenge. So best of luck with that, mate. Thanks so much, Robin. Thanks for having me. And um, also, yeah, good, good luck to anyone else who's, um, who's doing the Cape Point Challenge. And also, I think you uh, forgot about the, the guys busy doing PG's London at the moment. So good luck and well done to all of those guys who are busy with that and will complete that. Brilliant. Kenny, you're a rock star. Thanks, mate. Catch you on the beach. That's it, guys. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Tune in next time for all things paddling with sasurfski.com.